What is up, Mets fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Mets Up Podcast. Just finished a late series out in Boston, a little Sunday night baseball action against the Boston Red Sox. Unfortunately, another series loss. Uh, not going well. Not going well right now. We know the story. We know what's going on in, with baseball. We know time's running out. We know the trade deadline's coming. A lot of storylines, a lot of conversations to be had. We'll do everything that we can here on the podcast. Make sure you guys are following us on all our social media, at Mets Up on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. The boys just dropped a banger, a David Wright banger of an Instagram reel and TikTok, getting views all over the place. Low-key, I think, is our most viewed Instagram reel. I think it's going to pass Brett Beatty and uh, Garrett Wilson very soon. But, yeah, make sure you follow us over there if you have not yet done so. If you're listening to us or, yeah, listening to us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, whatever it is, drop us a rating, drop us a review, download, and subscribe. And also subscribe to the New York Mets YouTube channel so you can see our beautiful faces in the video version of this podcast. James, how's it going over there, man? Going pretty well. We had we had a really fun day of content on Friday. Just pulled up in Mark's apartment. We did a bunch of TikToks. We made that right video together. We're gonna have some funny quiz content coming out for you guys soon. And I think I think we might have figured something out with this format that we that was used for the right video, which uh, you know that that crispy script writing and the half and half split screen of the highlights and the uh, and, our, and our, again our beautiful faces. So I think that might be something we start to do more of. But I mean, this weekend Mets baseball. It, it, it was just another one of these series where it's like kind of this like sobering reality where you're like every time it's he's like they're going to turn the corner, they're going to get hot. David Cohn was singing the praises on Sunday Night Baseball saying like, I can feel I think something's going to happen and win tonight could really, you know, help this team get another step in the right direction. Coming into the series, or I think after Friday, they'd won, what was there, like 15-10, their last 25, like that's pretty high winning percentage. And they just, just play two games where you're like, oh man, like it was close and just we didn't have it. And again, I think, again, the word is just sobering. Yeah, like you said, there were positive vibes going into this. And like sometimes you lose, and that's kind of what happened in game three more so than game two. Sometimes the other team just plays better, and like there's not anything that you can point to and say, this is why that happened, or this is why. Like the Red Sox just outplayed the Mets in game three. But yeah, the vibes were positive. I mean, like even I'll shout out the sauce boss himself, John Heyman. Like he wrote an article about different things that could be happening, and he was even like, hey, like. These guys are still good. They still have a lot of good players on this team. Like, it would be crazy to just completely give up and think they're out of it because they've had a bad stretch here or there. But, yeah, like, not getting the series win definitely makes it feel a little bit different, especially after that weird game one where they got a really good win, like a good team win, good pitching all around. Like, things felt good going into what could have been a series win in the same day on Saturday. Yeah, definitely. And even just like looking this weekend, because we're all doing the same thing. Everyone just keeps looking at the standings. Like, I can't like, can we do this? Can we make this happen? Like you look at the teams like ahead of the Mets, you're like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like I'm not scared of the Padres, I'm not scared of the Cubs, I'm definitely not scared of the Marlins. And it's like, you yeah. can hop those teams. Like you think about it, you just string these wins together, hop these teams, we keep begging for the 10 game winning streak with a, with a nice, nice allergy, allergy full pizza on the line for the two of us. But it's just every time it's just, you think you're going to get there. You think you're going to turn the corner. You kind of feel like the switch is going to flip. It's like, all right, it's going to feel good again. And it just, it just doesn't. And that switch just can't, can't get flipped. But we should start with at least a positive game one on Friday. Really, I guess also game one on Saturday. Weird suspended game. It was, it was also just fun seeing a lot of these guys. This Mets team has a lot of young players on it. Vientos got the call before the game as well. So really cute seeing Alvarez, Beatty, and Vientos, their first times in Fenway Park. The Mets uh, social media put up those cute pictures of them, like look, looking through the monster windows. They're like, ooh, ooh it looks like. Brett Bay looked like he was like in a drive-thru window. It was kind of, it was funny. But nice to see these guys, like just see how amazing their relationship is. Like how much they genuinely enjoy spending time together and playing together. And then just being on this team together. Yeah, the uh, rain kind of just dampened the whole vibes of the day. Because like, like you said, like the, the vibes were good. The guys were hanging out. Kodai Senga making the start as well. His first time in Boston going up against 
uh, Masataka Yoshida, another prominent Japanese rookie in Major League Baseball this year. So that conversation was going on, that uh, narrative as well. But the rain kind of killed the vibes, and the Mets got off to a somewhat hot start. Granted, Senga wasn't as sharp as he has been in previous starts, but the Mets' bats were swinging from the first few innings. Got the Nimmo home run, got Vogel back on the board with the home run. Like, things were looking good. And then, of course, as we start to get hot, the rain comes in, cools everything off. And we're, they really tried to get this one in, but I don't know if you saw the videos of Fenway Park. I did not realize that that place floods like crazy. I know it's an old stadium, so like the plumbing and the the what is the, irrigation would that yeah, be the sure, right word? Yeah, that's, that's but right. I'm sure it's not up to up to date with what you know what typical modern buildings do. But it was crazy to see how much water came into that stadium, like the inside of it. I can't believe they know that. That's, Fenway Park is notorious for the flooding, and it was just the videos and pictures were crazy. Like this made like national news media like oh, like the ap was writing about it. the daily mail wrote about it like flooding at fenway park like announcers get wet like i was listening to this game on the radio walking to a friend's house um on friday and keith rad was like oh there's water in the booth there's water in the booth like my book is soaked like i gotta fix my laptop happen guys like oh god no they were like it was like funny listening to him talk about it. i think you told me too like watching on yeah. tv gary was saying the same thing and the video of justin turner where if you guys haven't seen it look it up <laughs> just like wading through through the tunnel in the clubhouse i'm like wow and like you get the charm of fenway park and i guess you also have to deal with some consequences of that but it did look like the weather did affect sanga a lot like he hasn't pitched in very much weather in his life doesn't like every almost at least every stadium in japan have a dome and he was looked like he had a lot of trouble gripping certain pitches we know the ghost fork is like a grip laden pitch but the slider especially he was throwing a lot more than he had in the last couple of starts and he was hanging a bunch of them early he was still missing bats. The fastball has still had the zip and the ghost fork still got a bunch of whiffs, but it just looked like he didn't really have any touch or feel. And again, he's been like, if there's anything that Kota Sang has been inconsistent with in his first year with the Mets, it has been those breaking balls. And we just looked like he couldn't really grip that slider, but still used the color a lot. The thing was pitching well. And he did, he, he like, he was pitching better when the game got suspended. Like he started off poorly and then he rounded into form. And the suspension of the game, I felt like put, the Mets bullpen at a pretty significant disadvantage for the series because now like having to basically do a double header that you're you have five in a game and Grant Hartwig is starting it you're like and then playing the game that night you're like oh god there's not much left in this bullpen now for these next couple of days yeah I mean big shout out to Grant Hartwig gave a great easy two innings a role that he's now been successful somewhat in a couple different times now where you know maybe we don't try to get three innings out of the guy but when he goes like one or two innings he does pretty pretty well like he's had a nice little year Again, this will be one of the few times I shout out John, but John's been on the Hartwig train forever, and I've been pleasantly surprised at how well he's been pitching this year. I mean, bottom line, Hartwig, the sweeper is really, really legit. Like he's using that sweeper sinker off each other, mixing in the color. Like it's, and he throw, he's got like he does ninety five, ninety six. Like that's above average velocity with one really good breaking ball. Like that is a good toolbox as a starter set for being a successful major league reliever. And he is, and was. It's just weird that again, this like game happening in the middle of the day, like all the awful weather the night before, and it was like nice and bright and sunny when it came back. And then it was a bit of an obscure, even like five innings of a game. Beatty got the RBI infield single to give us the lead that would not be relinquished ever, even though they get, they get tight to get close a few tight. times. Got a little scary. Yeah. And um, we had so many chances to add on, which is again, just something that's like so, it's like, it's like horribly so consistent about this team this year. We get the base load, nobody out, and like somehow, like, he can't get one in. And again, like it was Beatty's been swinging the bat well. Francisco Alvarez has been incredibly clutch in his rookie season. And ba Alvarez popped out and Beatty had a double play. And then that was the eighth inning. Then the ninth inning, DJ Stewart, we had eight, nine guys got on to lead off the inning. And then what, Toppy Road was up. And we couldn't do anything past there again. It was just like, oh, like not, 
not getting that insurance run was scary, but Rayleigh and Robertson, who have been both incredible relievers this season, they've both been really well and they, they slammed the door and it got that win. It felt like, all right, there was some vibes here, but those vibes like kind of went away a little bit at the end of the game when those rallies could not be sustained. You couldn't really like step on a throat. Yeah. It puts a weird like dampener on a very good team win because it's like, man, it could have been a lot easier or a lot a lot more blown out of the water. Could have almost relaxed a little bit more. Those last few innings got tight because the Mets couldn't get those last few runs. But yeah, I mean, like the doubleheader too. Doubleheaders are always weird, especially with the suspended game. Like you said, having to use the bullpen again and, and on the same day, <clears throat> never helpful for us. And we also know with Scherzer too, he's like very much a creature of habit with like how he warms up, how he does his stuff. Having a game right before he warmed up, looks like it might have had a little bit of an effect on him. Like he just wasn't very good for lack of a better term. Yeah, something or another. It's just the, the the story with Scherzer has been this for a couple of these bad starts now this year, especially when he's given up the home runs. And it's just that it's just that slither. That slither command isn't where it was even last year in the starts where he's been good this year. And he is throwing it less. He only threw about fifty percent of the time in this game. But I have I'm, I'm going to send these pictures to Vito side by side to the people watching on YouTube of where his slider, like the slider heat map from last year compared to this year. And it's just so many more have bled over the plate. So many more have been too far out of the strikes and we're not getting the swing and miss where it doesn't look close enough. Like it was so tight last year in that lower low and away corner to the righties. And this year it's just like a little bit more spread out, a little bit over the place, not finding the spot and just too many over the plate. And it's been that way all year. This was also a game where the Red Sox power got to Scherzer. He allowed four home runs, a lead off to Jaron Duran, and then Tristan Costas for two with Yu Chang in the middle of those Costas bombs. That tied his career high for home runs allowed with four. That's the first time he's allowed four home runs in a start since April 2021. Wow. And the first time he ever did that, just looking it up funny using Stathead before, was in 2011 as a member of the Tigers in Yankee Stadium. The four players who hit those home runs against Scherzer, the first time he gave up four home runs in the game were Mark Teixeira, a young Robinson Cano, and two by Jorge Posada. <laughs> Yeah, A-Ron G there were were prominent members of that team. Like, that's how long ago the first time Max Scherzer gave four home runs in the game. But it was just like, because he gave the two home runs early, and he settled in, and then the end, it got out of control. And then Trevor God did no favors either, but it was just, it's not, it's just just not there. And that's always been the pitch that he's leaned on his career. It's been one of the best sliders that any of us are ever going to see in our lifetimes. And when it's not there, and it's not getting the same rate of swings and misses gotten in the past, you just kind of feel that the whole repertoire takes a big hit. Yeah, and he's, he spoke about it after the game, too. He was asked a lot of questions after the game, and we'll talk about a few of those a little bit later, but he was talking about his slider. He was like, yeah, I just had no feel again. I couldn't get it. Like, they were hanging it. He was like, I had some good ones. He was like, but man, like, kind of when they were bad, they were they were crushed. And just to talk about some of the Red Sox players quickly a little bit here, Tristan Casas starting to look like a ball player, starting to get a little comfortable. It's kind of just a, a big sign of what to do with these rookie players who come up with all this hype because Casas was a... Very, very highly touted prospect in the Red Sox farm system. Hits the ball hard, plays good defense at first, gets on base. Like, all the things that you like to hear. And he had a really, really tough go of it the first few months in Major League Baseball this past year. Uh, But since, I want to say, like the beginning of July, he's been swinging the bat a heck of a lot better. Saw him have a pretty huge series against the Mets, honestly. He had a really good performance. His OPS is creeping up around 800. Jaron Duran, too, another guy who... You just start to get these guys more consistent playing time who have the talent, who have the ability, and they start to show and start to see the things that make them look so great. So again, this is always just like a little bit of a uh, warning, I guess, to Mets fans. I don't know if that's the right word, but like, hey, these young players take time. It is very, very rare when you get a Juan Soto or Fernando Tatis. Like Those players are once in a lifetime. Even Mike Trout had a horrendous first season when he got called up. Sometimes you got to give them a little bit of time. And like even Baby, like you said, who has been struggling a little bit, has been swinging the bat a lot better of late. 
been looking a lot more comfortable as well. Definitely. We um Aaron Judge even had a really bad first year in the major leagues. I think we've <laughs> yeah. all I think we I think we've all been cursed by just playing too much MLB the show, like a lot of us have, and like any video games in general. We're like, oh yeah, development is linear. Every year I get two overall points, I have one point <laughs> to power. It's like that's that's not really how professional sports works. And you got you it's like we talked about this the other day too, or even earlier today, yesterday, I don't remember. Talking about CJ Abrams, a guy who yes. has been a bit of a Mets killer, was involved in the Juan Soto trade last summer, who has all the physical tools, was a came straight from high school to professional baseball and had injury, lost some time in the year, and like had, had only played like less than 100 games in the upper minors before even getting his first major league played appearance. And it just it takes time with these guys a lot. Like even like remember last year that first series that Francisco Alvarez played against the Atlanta Braves, how much people were freaking out that like he wasn't good, he was going to be a bust, he wasn't ready. And just like dude, like that's not how this works. Like you know, like yeah, everyone can be good right away. And I think Casas, Duran, Abrams, and then soon like Beatty, these are all, all going to be way like these are all going to be things that we see. And I thought I loved the way um. I think the ESPN Sunday night broadcast definitely leaves a lot to be desired sometimes, but I do yeah. like that that they just like Eduardo Perez and um and David Cohn just are so knowledgeable of the game and they were sitting talking to Alex Cora and they talked about Casas particularly and Cora's like he just I was never worried. Like he's so prepared. He's mentally he's so like there. He's so focused every single day. Like he never let the struggles get to him. Like he did lose some playing time and he got got better right after that. But like when you see the process, when you see the preparation, you can you can still have your confidence. That's kind of like still where I'm at with a lot of these Mets rookies. And we know a lot of people have also spoken about Vientos, like now coming back this weekend, how his 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 first uh, cup of coffee here, the stats aren't really tremendous, but we still see him hit the ball really, really hard when he does. Hilariously, in this game too, the Saturday night game. Vientos had two hits and no hard hit balls, which is like just a funny little, yeah, funny little irony there. But just these the way these prospects develop is just not like I feel like a lot of us would like them to develop in a perfect world, and that's okay. Yeah, no, it's it's fine. It's a it's a long game. We're not in it for the short term with the prospects. You never are. You're in it for the long game. As long as these guys at the end or towards the middle just start to play like what we expect them to, things would be things would be great. I mean, we're we're getting a glimpse of Alvarez. We got a glimpse of Beatty. Vientos was figured out too. And what's funny too about this game, or just the day in general, the first two. The fact that the Mets were really starting to hit the ball a lot better, like McNeil swinging the bat a lot better. Pete, Pete looks just so much better, so much better. Looks like his head's been cleared a little bit. We still haven't seen like the home run, the power type stuff just yet, but Pete's getting hits again, which is like pretty huge for a guy who, let's be honest, has been struggling for like two months now. So it's good to see that the guys in the middle of this order are swinging the bat a little bit better. And you mentioned even Vientos getting a couple of hits. Like McNeil was smiling. McNeil cracked a smile during this game. I even tweeted, I'm like, Jeff McNeil's having fun playing baseball. Like, something's going on. Something's cooking. Even with the vibes of, like, man, the lead's being given up, taken back, given up, taken back. It felt like this team just wasn't going to give up. And to their credit, even to the last out, they were very much in this game, keeping themselves in it with the bats. Yeah, Jeff McNeil with the... um the little league home run was it was a yeah. very fun moment like that's always gonna that's always gonna make you crack a smile like anyone here in a slump but you hit a little league home run i think fenway park also no stats on this john john hasn't joined us yet fenway park has to lead the league in little league home runs <laughs> over the last like five or seven seasons we even saw pete get a triple in this game yeah the seventh of pete's career and he's lumbering around second base i looked back at that because i was like that's kind of a lot of triples for a guy who hits many home runs as pete and since pete came up in 2019 there's only two players in baseball with 150 homers and five triples it's pete and ridiculously, Kyle Schwarber. Kyle Schwarber? Yeah, right? And the only other guys who are at that level of home runs and even just like sustaining a lot of triples are basically like Shohei, Shohei and uh, Jose, Jose Ramirez and Mookie Betts. Yeah, so still the best yeah. players of baseball. And I was even looking back at it too because I was just looking at these stats from 2019. Pete is like 20 home runs clear of the field 
for home runs since he debuted, which is just, you know, a cool little thing to keep, let everyone remind like how historically great the beginning of his career has been despite the poor couple of months. And, uh, got to see Josh Walker in this game again as well. He was a 27th man for the double header, just through 96 from the left side, got the, got the, got the hair flown out the back. I, I like Josh Walker. I, I think there's, we don't, we don't know what these next few weeks are going to look like with this roster. There's a good chance that some players get more different opportunities than they would have gotten in the first half of the season or probably the way we expect it to go when opening day. And I think Josh Walker is a guy who probably will get some legitimate run, could get some legitimate run in the bullpen if, if things do get shaken up. Yeah, I really hope so, because every time he comes in, I feel like he pitches so well. And we haven't seen him since that Phillies blow up, which it's going to happen. It was eighth inning against the Phillies, who top of the order is like really good. It's going to happen, but I was glad to see him back out there pitching well. Hope, like, kind of like you. Hopefully, they use him a little bit more in the future here because I think he's got some stuff. And from the left side, throw ninety six. You don't find that too often. He's also over the top, which is very rare. I feel like for a left hander reliever. Yeah, just he's a big imposing figure on the mound. You probably even think there could even be more to be unlocked there, velocity wise. But really good to see. Also, just yeah, disappointing game, but again, pulling any positives. Mentioned Brett Beatty swinging the bat better. Three more hard hit balls in this game. Really looks like he is getting it together. We were we were looking at Beatty because we were just content brain was moving on on Friday. And um, if you look at like his his spray chart on Baseball Savant, the home runs that he's hit, it hasn't been many this year, and that's probably one of the biggest disappointing things about his game this year. But the ones that he has hit are absolutely freaking crushed. crushed. Like that that's like a cool thing to hang your hat on. That's how you know the power is real despite the fact that he is hitting the ball on the ground a lot. Like he's still battling it like a little less than league average but like not oh actually at league average. He's barrel raised now at league average. That's, that's a very good thing to see. And he's not chasing. It's a good thing. There's a lot of stuff happening there and there's not that many guys in the league who can hit the ball as hard as Bailey as consistently as he does. Yeah, I mean really at the end of the day what happened in this game was pitching just couldn't shut the door. It's a, it's a, a narrative that we've heard kind of all season long. The pitching just was not up to snuff. When we when we hit, we don't pitch. When we pitch, we don't hit. That's kind of just been the way that things have broke this year. That's kind of how game two was. You would have hoped for better, but, I mean, we're, we're pulling the positives out of here. You guys know how we roll over on the Mess Up podcast. It sucks. It sucks, though, to lose that game, no doubt. Yeah, it did, especially winning early in the day and, and like, having – having Scherzer as the guy for the next one. You're like, all right, let's go. Let's get on a roll. Let's win. Let's win something here. But it wasn't. And then game three, Sunday night, again, ESPN, you guess I mean, say what you want about the ESPN broadcast. At least it's not, at least it's not K-Rod where the guy, yeah. <laughs> China Dame is telling anecdotes about Kid Rock, which is honestly probably like the highlight of what, what they could do on that. I, I, I heard an anecdote about Kid Rock recently as well. I, was at, I told you guys I was at that bachelor party in Las Vegas a few weeks ago. Also, that audio was just awful. Another apology for that, but my freaking hotel had no Wi-Fi. I can't, I can't even believe that. But someone who I was with in the bachelor party, a dude who I only met like a time or two, he said he was at a bar. I want to say it was Florida. It was Tennessee. It was a place where you'd expect Kid Rock to be. Yeah. And he just met Kid Rock at the bar. And he said they hung out for like four hours. No he said, way. He, he just drank with Kid Rock all day and night. I was like, that's incredible. Like Kid Rock's never someone I'd like seek out and be like, yeah, I, wanna, I would like to hang out with Kid Rock. He's definitely not. He's definitely not like a very, uh, I don't know. He's not a figure no. I would leave. He's not like my dream, my dream dinner date. Yeah, uh, <laughs> no, it's not. It's not like, yeah, Abraham Lincoln, <laughs> um, Prince, Kid Rock. Like, that's not who's coming to dinner with me if I can get anyone from history. But it, it, it was, it's funny to hear people and Giant Damon too talk about Kid Rock. I feel like Giant Damon and Kid Rock are two peas in a pod. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This game got very frustrating early because Carlos Carrasco, there was a, there was a ball that looked like it could have been called a strike and it would have got him out of the first inning, and then it wasn't called a strike. And he wound up laboring about 20 pitches through there, allowed a run, and it just seemed like he was kind of off kilter. And then he ran a play to cover third on a on a ball where Jaron Duran was on first. Pepe threw the ball to first. There was no one covering third base. Carrasco ran to cover it. And Duran kind of like hit him in the shoulder a little bit, like knocked him back. And it looked something which wasn't really right from that point on. And that the rest of that third inning was just, I think that actually happened the second. And then the third inning came and it was a complete other just disaster. One of the worst Mets innings of the year. Red Sox had seven consecutive hits, which I feel like you'll never see that in modern baseball anymore. Another thing that probably happens exclusively at Fenway Park because of how ridiculous Babips are there. But they were just hitting it really hard, not at people, and then they just kept getting hits, kept getting hits, and it was a short night for Carrasco. Yeah, a lot of ground balls. It wasn't like the ball was being crushed in the air. Just like hit hard into the ground where the Mets weren't. Carrasco just didn't have his best stuff. I mean, we've seen it. He's been very hot and cold this year uh, on how his performance is. It's kind of just a day-to-day thing. Today was one of those days that we just didn't didn't get it. He also had that weird play, like you mentioned, too, where I think Buck even mentioned afterwards, I thought he rolled his ankle a little bit maybe, um, where Jaron Duran slid into third. Shout out to Mark Hanna, making great plays all day. He also picked off Rafael Devers on that back pick to third. Granted, it made no difference because the game was pretty much out of hand, but that was a great play. And he had that amazing throw in this third inning of chaos from the monster, the second base on a fly. He made, yes. almost got Justin Turner out and what looked like a sure double. Gannon had three outfield assists in this game. They all happened in the first six innings. First met to have three outfield assists in a game since Andy Chavez in June 2006. Wow. Kurt, that's that courtesy of uh, Sarah Langs because they're still missing John over here. But they, they, those balls by Carrasco let him play were on the ground, but they were smoked. The Red Sox hit, put 13 balls in play against him. 11 of 13 were over 90 miles an hour. 9 of 13 were over 95 miles an hour. And 7 of the 13 were over 100 miles an hour. People so they're going to get so mad at us because we talk about how much we hate ground balls all the time. And then it's like, <laughs> but the Red Sox won with ground balls. It's like, yes, but they hit them really hard. That's different. Yeah, I'll let, I'll let you always hit the ground ball. Kyle, Kyle Bobby, who's, um, I think he's the founder, the, the driveline, or at least there was a he had head pitching coordinator for a while. He went to the Reds for a few years to lead their player in pitching development. And the Reds took all his ideas and fired him, which is a really fascinating <laughs> thing that the Reds did, why they're so good right now. But he he like posed a really interesting question on Twitter, a really cool thread from a couple of years ago. Basically, like, would you rather get a a whiff or a ground ball if like you had to get this like like if you had to pick one and he interestingly and i think this probably came from him building a team that was going to be playing in uh in the great american ballpark which is one of the friendliest hither parks in the league especially for home runs who's basically like a ground ball like no matter what it really can't hurt you that badly there's also the shift shift days so it was a little different ground balls are even more uh more uh, valuable than to get as a pitcher yeah. but just like the fact that you you get a ground ball like what's, what's the best that can happen if it's a perfect ground ball maybe a double like if you get a whiff, you're giving the guy another another pitch and maybe hit the home run. You know what I mean? Like if you get a ground ball every single time you're out there, you're probably going to do really well. We've seen Fran Valdez give run like the 60% ground ball race for years and turn himself into an elite pitcher. But it's not what happened for Carrasco in this game. The Red Sox were all over him. Sneaky, sneaky deep lineup over there in Boston too. They sneaky. Yeah, Heim Bloom has built a really annoying, weird, like silly team over here. Competitive. In yeah, competitive, crafty. 
Um, like Justin Turner looking like he's gonna have one of the best seasons of his career, which you you always feel this every single time the Mets play against Justin Turner. It happened for years with the Dodgers. Now it happens here where Buster only grins. He's like, hey, judge DFA by the Mets. And he's like, oh, we know Buster. We're really aware of it. We he wasn't that player with us. He was never no. that player. <laughs> he became that player with the Dodgers. The Dodgers have a, getting a 125 WRC plus that Jason Hayward right now. They know how they yeah. do things with hitting that no one else does. David Peralta is having a legit <laughs> incredible season right now for the Dodgers. Trace like, Thompson. <laughs> Their approach was almost like 300. I think it's like 288 as of play beginning today. So they, they do things with hitters that no one else can really figure out. And it's not like, oh, we should figure it out. No one else figured it out. 29 other no. teams, like, how did the Dodgers get this out of these hitters every single year? They have this band of, like, like they, they, they let Cody Bellinger go. Any other team letting Cody Bellinger go before he had this massive breakout, people would be like, oh, this is ridiculous. Dodgers don't even notice it because Jason Hayward is, like, filling in his absence. looked great. Like, they're, they're going to get good offense on Miguel Rojas before you know it, your boy. But... It's, you always <laughs> no, you always happen. you always get that like little twinge of it whenever um whenever the Mets play against Justin Turner you always feel that pit in your stomach where you're like damn if he was playing third base for the Mets the last ten years it really could have been a lot different and he's like <laughs> he's gonna have a hundred RBIs thirty eight years old oh my god it's just it's this thing but it's funny what that team is I, I think there's a lot of Red Sox fans who are probably still a little bit trepidatious to trusting Heim Bloom because the Mookie Betts trade definitely will still Scared. go down as yeah, yeah. it's worth it's still go gonna go down even as goes Alex Verdugo has been filling in admirably like Mookie Betts looks like he's gonna be in, in the Hall of Fame so it doesn't really say, think, yeah like going, what he's like one fourth of Mookie Betts maybe like <laughs> I think in terms of war yeah probably like probably like like 30 percent of Mookie Betts but we locked up Devers and it was fun also to listen I think I always think it's crazy that they'll mic these guys up during plays yes but they, they agree to it so I guess it's okay and um, it was it was crazy. Like listen to him talk. He's like he seems so fun. They were like, "What's your relationship like with Alex Cora?" He was like, "It's my dad." <laughs> was well, like, he was talking like, talking about the contract negotiation, and he was like, or they talked about it off camera, maybe. And Eduardo was like, "Yeah, he told me that like Alex Cora was like, don't sh don't sell yourself out. Don't give them the eyes when they sit put three hundred million dollars in front of you. Like act cool, act tough. Be like, ah, oh, that's nothing. I need more." He's like, "Don't be like, oh my god, this is the most money I've ever seen. Thank you so much." Like. That's definitely one really cool thing that Sunday Night Baseball does is getting these players to be mic'd up, talking during the game live. It's a good way to grow baseball. I mean, just think about all the different things that you've remembered from the guys talking throughout the years. Like, you start to learn about some personalities of these players. Even Rafael Devers doesn't speak like a lick of English, basically. None at all. But, like, that was a great interview that he had. Like, that's something I'll remember. I always love when the Mets guys gets mic'd up, too. Yeah, Carl Ravage tried to speak to him in Spanish, and he was oh, like, yeah. "What?" <laughs> He's like, "What'd you say?" It's kind of, I, I don't that, know about that. Yeah, that was um, that was the Alex Cora question. But again, another another disappointing series loss for the Mets. We felt like they could have like really kept getting some momentum after coming out, like after the White Sox series and heading into the break as hot as they were, where you're just like so close and you just couldn't get it. And it's like that's kind of just been the theme of the season over and over again. And and we don't know what's gonna happen next week. We have no idea. We we only hope to find out. And that's just that we're same spot as you guys there. No, I mean, truthfully, like, we know absolutely nothing, obviously. We just do the podcast for the team. But, like, the Mets right now are seven and a half back from the wild card. The uh, trade deadline is, what, a week away, right? It'll be August 1st? First, yes. So it'll be a week away when you guys listen to this. The Mets have to start, like, winning games right now because they're in a very weird spot of whether they're going to buy or they're going to sell or they're going to hold pat or whatever it's going to be. We're... We're not sure. We're not sure. You kind of can't make that decision. It feels like just yet you don't want to give up on a season and start making moves for guys and, and start thinking about the next year because they're not completely out of it. Of course not. Seven and a half games with like 70 games left in the season isn't unthinkable. You've seen teams do it before, but the issue is you got to start winning games now. And as the season's getting shorter and the deadline's approaching, 
this this team could look different on the field next week. Next week, even could look at a different team. So something to keep in mind, something to keep an eye out for here as we have these uh, last two series before the deadline hits. The Yankees and the Nationals coming up. Luckily, the Yankees have not been playing good baseball of recent. They have been big time struggling. They just swept the Royals, but that's like not an accomplishment because the Royals <laughs> low key have a worse record than the A's. Nobody's talking about that. Everyone said the A's are the worst team in baseball. No one's talking about how bad the Royals are. But the Yankees haven't been playing good baseball. And the Nationals, we know, uh, only like five games back of the Mets. But it's not like a team that instills fear in your hearts by any means. I'm also uh, kind of kind of pausing a little bit here because is John has John joined us? Can we do the estimate, or is John not here yet? Because uh, I have no clue how many balls were hit off the Green Monster, to be honest. And John no texted idea. us thinking we would have a clue. Yeah, that, uh, definitely one Francisco Lindor Sunday night. I watched that one. I saw that go, but I don't know either. So I guess. Just... And speaking of which, I mean, might as well talk about this Yankees preview as well. Subway Series, last two games of the year at Yankee Stadium. Tickets are pretty cheap because the Yankees, nobody wants to go there. Their fans are a little soft. So if you're looking to go to the game as a Mets fan, you could get a pretty decent seat for pretty cheap right now. So I'd suggest you uh, go check out the secondary market maybe and go see what's available for you. What are the pitching matchups for this series? I truly have no idea. Uh, Yeah, pitching matchups, Tuesday, 7 o'clock, TBS game. So get ready for that one, guys. A little sneaky one. Justin Verlander versus Domingo Herman, and then Wednesday also seven oh five. Jose Quintana versus Carlos Rodon, two offseason okay. acquisitions. Jose Quintana versus Carlos Rodon. Rodon has not looked great. Well, he didn't look great, especially in his last start when he blew kisses to the Yankees fans who were booing him. It's not yeah. a good way to get endeared with the Yankees fans. No, the Yankees fans are uh, they 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 they, they are animal. Yeah, they are animal. They 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 bully Joey Gallo out of the city. Like they're they're not they're not ones to trifle with. They're they're a terrifying bunch. So that was an interesting move by Rodon. We also know that Rodon's a bit of a showman, and we also do know yeah. still that Rodon is an incredible pitcher. And I know he's for sure that he will round into form because he is especially like pure talent wise. He's one he's one of the best there is. But yeah, this Yankee team has definitely had not so good of a couple of months here. Um, since Aaron Judge went in the IL. That happened. That injury was uh, was sustained on June third. So since June fourth, they have the second fewest run score in all of baseball. The only team with fewer are the Kansas City Royals. Like that's Ew. where the Yankees' offense has been right now. They they basically, but their pitching is still great. They've won the best bullpen areas in the league, and the rotation is it's it, it's good and it's, it's like has solid depth. Like Herman has had a good year. Objectively, the perfect game was was weird and he's just like a really really horrific person but he is he has had like an okay season actually four or five era is a little bit higher than i thought but he did that thing that a lot of pitchers are doing now where he's like i'm just gonna my curveball is my best pitch i'm gonna make it my primary pitch i don't really care about anything else anymore so he's gonna be pesky and annoying just dropping curveballs in all day they're pretty good and again rodan hasn't started off great but we know he is still good and again this lineup anthony rizzo his first home run 40 something games on sunday yeah. each of the is having a not so good season Claybert Torres was day to day. I'm not sure if we're going to see him. Maybe the day off will probably get back. Um, yeah, they 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 lack a lot of punch without Judge, and I'm not. And we don't care about jinxing anything anymore. No. Like the Yankees will probably go out and score 14 runs against us, but it's just really they that offense kind of beleaguered. It's, uh, we have an opportunity with Verlander, Quintana, two starting pitchers, who at least have a good had a lot of good success lately. Quintana only one start, but he did look good just to to get get out get out ahead of them. Yankees have one player on their active roster right now with an OPS plus above 100. Who is it, James? Jake Bowers. No, he's hurt. He's on the IL. The answer we're looking for is Glaber Torres with 111. Otherwise, every other hitter on that team has an OPS plus below league average. Like, this is not the same Yankees teams that you're accustomed to. I talked to you about this in the offseason because I was big the Yankees aren't as good as you thought they might have been. 
But I was like, if Judge is not in that lineup, they have nothing. They've got nothing going on. Like, John Carlos Stanton is a husk of himself. He's not even a shell. He's a husk. <laughs> he looks he looks like he's in pain while he's moving. Every single time he moves, it's like, oh, my God, I'm in so much excruciating pain. And maybe he is, which tip your cap to him if he's playing in pain. Volpe, I think, is like the bright spot because he has been playing better, especially in the second half. And he's at least a young, exciting player on this team. But, like, you look around the, the field and you just go, yeah, I just, like, don't care about any of these guys, and they're not really important at all. And they're also in a division that is the most competitive we've seen in baseball in a really long time. A big part of that is also because of how they change the schedule, which I'm sure every single team in that division is really grateful for because yeah. all five teams are over 500. But it's a fun, vibrant division. The Orioles are the best story like in sports. The Rays, we know about the Rays. The Blue Jays are having a good year. We just watched the Red Sox. There's these plucky underdogs up in Boston. This Yankee team just lacks that that oomph, that power. Like The only thing that's really cool about this Yankee team is the fact that the bullpen is a lot of fun, is really exciting. Like Michael King's taking a little bit of a step back, but he's still a really, really good reliever. We're not going to see Ian Hamilton. He's on the IL, but he he invented his own pitch, the, the Slambio, which is a really cool thing, a slider and a changeup together. And he, he's Spanish, also like from Spain, I believe. So he, he took the word cambio for change and put that Slambio. Clay Holmes has gotten back to having a good run of it. They, Jimmy Cordero's – oh, I'll cut that, cut that, cut that. I forgot about him. Um, it's a good, interesting team. It's they're funny. There, it's a really, it's really bizarre that this Yankees team is now built on like strong bullpen, like starting pitching at the top, and they just can't manufacture offense any which way. Yeah, I mean, listen, like this, this series, the Mets got the Mets have to win two games. I think, like, I think they got to come out, win two games for things to be feeling positive. It, it's just that these are do or die games right now for how this team could look after the trade deadline if you want to be competing for a wild card spot, which is what they're doing right now. Got to win. The Yankees are a very, very beatable team. Can't stress that enough. Get out early. Swing the bats like they did in Boston. Outside of game three, they swung the bats well. Just keep doing it. Play good baseball. Should be okay. Should be okay. Now, I did go to Twitter. Wanted to get some mailbag for you guys, too, just because I figured it was going to be a little bit of a quicker episode. A couple questions here from guys. This one comes from Pat Stats. He has one baseball question, one non-baseball question. Honest, honest, pitching of, honest opinion of Mets pitching this year. I, and he kind of said it. He was like inconsistent. I think that's kind of what it is. We've been able to see the peaks. Like Max Scherzer has had great starts. Justin Verlander, Carlos Grasco. You could go to every single pitcher in this rotation. You go to every middle reliever, setup man, closer. They've had these big moments where you're like, there it is. But the consistency over the year just really hasn't been there. And that's kind of what we've been missing, I feel like, right? Yeah, definitely. Especially compared to last year. Like we're beating the drum over and over again. But just like having Bassett and Taiwan Walker every fifth day, like, Dude, like we have a stable floor here. These guys are going to pitch well. They're going to give you five, six, sevens once in a while, eight innings. Like having that every single day, it's just such a trickle down effect to help the whole team. Like your hitters feel better about it because you know you're getting a good start that day. Your bullpen is better because they're not being used as much. Like this, it all always comes back in baseball starting pitching. As much as the league changes, as much as everything happens, it's always come back starting pitching. Teams are always at the top because they get a lot of steady pit play out of their starting pitchers. And and then everything else get, works off there. It's just that that has been. I mean, we know we're watching all these games. That we we everyone can see that has been the big issue for the Mets this year. And it's gonna be interesting to see how this all unfolds. Like I think about 2019. We were comparing the season 2019 a lot in yeah. uh, the in the Mets up group chat there. And I remember something very critical that happened in 2019 that did end up helping this team a lot in the ensuing years. Not in, again 2020, 2020, 2021 weren't great in terms of victories, but just like it was. This was a kind of like shrewd move that have put the team in a much better position to build in the offseason. It was the acquisition of Marcus Stroman. Because like, people are like, oh, the Mets are trading prospects for a pitcher. Like, this, they're not even having a good season right now. But just the fact that they were able to grab a guy like that who was under team control, who they knew just was, like, stable floor. 
pitch, pitch, pitch every fifth day. You can pitch every fifth day. Like that's, that's that. And I think that it's going to be interesting to see how these next few weeks, how this next, not few weeks, this next 10 days plays out here. Yeah. Next question from Pat too. What's your average bowling score? James, what do you think your average bowling score is? We've been bowling a lot recently. We haven't bowling a lot. I had a bad, I had a really bad night bowling last Wednesday, but average. Well, we I had a couple drinks in us too. So. Yeah. It was, it was hot. The, the gutter is a fun place, but I don't know. I think average, I'm like probably 110, 115. Yeah, yeah, I, I just think peak, that's about right. I, yeah, peak up in like the one, like peak around 150. And then I've gotten, I've got, I hate like 175, 180, like once or twice the last few months. And then just like those low lows, like once in a while I'll have like a 95 game. Like, ah, oh, that was, that was trash. What do you think yours is? Yeah, I think I'm right around 100. I think 100's right where I hang. Like 95 to like 105 is kind of my sweet spot. And I think like my good game is like I'm, I'm pushing 120, 125, which I've done a couple times. But yeah, not, not last Wednesday at the gutter. We were having some fun. We were having a good time. Yeah, the boy, the boys were doing a creative bowling. We we did a we did we did a game where we had to go through your legs. We did a game where you went no fingers. Did a game only thumbs. Like it was left handed. Yeah, left handed. Left handed was fun actually. I, I almost broke hundred left handed. That was pretty cool. But um, uh, that was that was that was a uh, that was a good, that was a good night of bowling. Bowling is great. Then, Everyone should get out there and bowl. A hundred percent. Last one combination of from at it's Sean O and Ryan Anzalone. Just about some prospects that are being slept on maybe in the Mets organization or guys that we could look forward to maybe as the season goes on. The obvious one is obviously Ronnie Mauricio. I think everybody's excited for him whenever he gets to make his debut, if that's going to happen this year or not. Just really good player, like hits for power, just exciting stuff. We saw him in spring training, just hit some absolute bombs. So whenever he gets his chance, be super excited for him. In terms of other prospects, I mean, just going quickly around, like Jet Williams has been great. I don't think awesome. he's going to make the roster this year, but he's no, been awesome no. <laughs> minors. I think um, from guys who are going to – could have a chance to make the roster this year. And again, if you guys want to learn more about the Mets prospects, definitely check out John Vila show, the future of flushing the, the, the crop of young pitchers who are moving through the organization right now between Mike Vassell, Christian Scott and Tyler Stewart, I think all have different things that make them exciting. Vassell's the highest of them all in AAA right now. His like, we, now he's in AAA, we can get like pitch scores and get, you can get movement from prospects live. And then you can get, you know, Sarah's has his triple A stuff plus for anyone who subscribes to the athletic and Vassal stuff's great. basically his league average, which is kind of what we expected, but the way he's grown and the way he's progressed over the last few years, we know the stuff <clears throat> has improved a few times already. And once you see some improvement, that's usually a good indication that you could see more improvement. But I think the guys like stuff wise, I'm a little bit more excited about Scott and Stewart. Stewart has been blazing through the Mets minor leagues this year. Statistically, is very impressive, and he throws throws gas. And Scott also just he keeps building, getting better and better. Those guys are both in Double A right now. I think those are guys who you could because you kind of there's going to be a position where like we we know how like tenuous this Mets rotation could be going forward. Like you need to almost give some of these guys a shot this year to know what you have and how to plan for them for next year. Like I count on Christian Scott for 80 innings. I count him for 140 yeah. innings. Is he going to be a starter? Is he going to be a bulk guy? Like what, 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 what's the potential role for these guys who are already 23, 24 years old going to be for the 2024 Mets? And that, that's something I think there's a good chance that it's possible. We see that this season. Yeah, Vito hitting us with a, a little stat here. Taking over for John. Stewart had another start with under two earned run this weekend, 16 straight. Like, that's fantastic. That's awesome. That's that's yeah, and, a really, really good job. And Scott's been blazing hot as well. He just has a start on a – I guess he's due the pitch probably Monday, but he has a start on a July 18th where he went seven innings, struck out eight, didn't walk any. Like, that's that's a great game. It's a really great yeah. game. That's something that is a good – it's a good chance that now – because once you get to double A – like you're 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 on the precipice of the major leagues. We've even seen some of the teams, especially because the weird rules in AAA and the fact that the PCLs play a crazy altitude. That's not where the league the Mets play in, but there's a lot of teams just like skipping guys and for AAA now, just sending them right to the majors because the talent level isn't really that different. And 
it's just like it's weird, especially the automatic balls and strikes in AAA, yeah. and the fact that they don't do it every game. So some of your starts you'll have automatic balls and strikes, and some starts you won't. I could, I could, I would love to hear Vassal talk about that because I've heard Ben Brown talk about that. The prospect in the Cubs that was traded for David Robertson last year, who uh, the, it went viral. He was twenty team's twenty eighth ranked prospect, but now with all the rehashes, he's like a clear top ten pitching prospect in baseball. But um, he is he's a guy who's much more of a stuffist. Vassal is going to be a command guy who just has stuff enough stuff to get by, and um, he has talked about like his challenges facing like some days having the max strikes and some days not having it, and just these massive inconsistencies. So I bet a guy like Vassal who is is, is going to lean on command. Could that could be a reason why he's had some not so great results in the beginning of his, his run in AAA? No, hundred percent. And honestly, like, just we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens as the season goes. Win some games here, maybe we don't have to worry about this stuff. I'd love to not have to worry about bringing up some guys here. That'd be a good sign. So John is finally here. Let's go ahead and bring in John and go ahead and do the estimate for us. It's it's at the end. Who cares? We'll change things up. Get John in here. Oh, always rocking the Indiana Hoosiers. Well, is that a long sleeve? It is a long sleeve. Um... What's up, guys? How you doing? Yeah, I just uh, came from City Field. Was uh, enjoying a little footy, a little Ooh. League's Cup action between NYCFC and Atlas of Liga MX. So uh, I was in air conditioning, and honestly, it wasn't even warm enough still. So uh, <laughs> next time, I got to wear my Indiana sweatshirt. But definitely getting ready for college football season. Know the listener love the CFB talk. Yeah, they so, love it. Um, <laughs> so looking forward to that. But um yeah, glad to be here with you after uh, a cool weekend in Boston. Fenway's always great. Um, it's so really, really cool. cool to see the see the boys playing there. But now, the Bronx. So I was just driving home, guys, and um, there was an FAN caller who this said he was older. Said he was older, and I don't know if you guys saw this. The Yankees rolled out the patch on their on their mm-hmm. uniform. Yes. Star Insurance, which. I mean, good for Star. Like that's that's some valuable it's real impressive. estate. The Yankee jersey. Oh yeah. I kind of think it's like I never heard of Star before. You know, I, I heard of New York Presbyterian. I heard yeah, of Motorola and a lot of other patches on on uh, teams' uniforms. But yeah, this guy was like, "Yeah, I'm never going to a game again. They're ruining tradition." And um, wait till he was, sees the City Connect jerseys. He's gonna freak uh, out. <laughs> he's gonna freak out. I mean, unless they Are don't they? have pinstripes on them. Are they getting them soon? Next year, I think. Next year. Really? Yeah. I thought they would be. Well, how many? How many have there been so far? I feel like I half the league like, has them now. I think a little more than like, half. Yeah, a little more than half, and I think that there's like eight next year and eight the year after. Maybe I think they're done by 2025. So my um okay. my ang- angry Yankee fan Staten Island uncle who Vito tells me not to talk to anymore, but I'm always going to talk to him. He's hysterical. He um first of all his his take is that the Yankees should should sue the Dodgers for the concrete block that hurt Judge's toe in the outfield. That's he's been saying that one for a while and that idea. He is absolutely so up in arms over the jersey patch. I think especially because the team isn't playing well again, so it's just oh, like yeah. you're, you're really kicking these Yankee fans while they're down. That came around the same time the House Steinbrenner was like people aren't aren't happy with the season. The team's playing fine. And all those happen within like a week of each other. And I think, um, yeah, he's he's really, really disgruntled by the patch. He's, he's damaging the pinstripes. There's no, no no purity with that. I don't know. I mean, how do you not get it from if you're a Yankee fan that like, this is what the sport is now. They put the Nike swoosh on the uniform. Like, John, you're, asking, you're what... asking for nuance from Yankee fans? You're asking for a, 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 a common, sensible, rational take from the most irrational fan base in all of sports? 
I wonder if young Yankee fans feel the same way as the old no. Yankee fans. No. Young. I, can't, I think, yeah, I can't think be, like there's right? like 4% of the Yankee fans are like really good, earnest baseball fans, like love the game, like really value it. But most young Yankee fans are just future old Yankee fans. And that's, that's <laughs> always going to be an issue. Yeah. Well, I wonder, I mean, Hey, maybe one day they'll have the names on the back of the uniforms. Ooh, yeah. I hope so. Please. Me too. Yeah. That's the best thing when you go around, you see the old school Yankee jerseys, like you'll see mantle with the name on the back. It's like, did you, do you have any idea what that goes on this organization? Like Ruth three. It's like, what are you, what, why are you guys joking? But, and it's like, there's only one number three. There's only one yeah. number seven. Like you don't need yeah. to put the name there. We know who it is. Plus not, not having the name is advantageous. Like if you bought a Jason Giambi jersey back in what did he sign? Oh, yeah. two. Yeah. Oh, two was his first year with the Yankees. That then became a Mark Teixeira jersey. Or if you bought a Tina Martinez jersey once upon a time, that then became a Gary Sanchez jersey with no problem. Yeah. Seamless. You know, like I go out and get Roberto Almar Jr. Jer- or Roberto Almar jersey when I'm whatever, 12 years old. That thing stayed Roberto Almar forever. <laughs> like, yeah, but you want, you, you want it that else. way. That, that's, Dude, that's that, 25, that 25 from Teixeira and Giambi is also Glaber Torres now. You have a that's current right. jersey. That's right. That's three solid players. All for one jersey, and they don't change the uniform. Like the road grays, the road grays, the home <laughs> well, pinstripes, the home pinstripes. They've got so, that patch now. Well, I wonder if they. I wonder if they would be so. I don't even know the word I'm looking for to sell it with the patch. Oh, like, please! That'd be like awesome. a real authentic. You want every single stitch to be what they wear on the field. I was thinking that. Like, is that something that? I mean, you guys would know better than us. Like, are the Mets jerseys in the team store? Are they they got Presbyterian on them. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen a fan wearing a jersey unless like it's a you know game used uniform that someone buys i haven't seen that yeah i haven't seen that that's like a whole other like set like offshoot of like where that like that marketing money could wind up like then now eventually you're selling it these are on tv and now these people are wearing them on the streets like with your brand on it as well it's it's kind of interesting because the soccer ones all do as we all know that becomes the jersey Dude, soccer ones, because uh, like baseball is different with the replica and authentic jerseys. There's differences, but with uh, soccer jerseys, the difference between what they call replica and authentic is the patches on the sleeves. Like getting mm-hmm. the Premier League patch and getting whatever the other patches on the other arm. It's a huge deal. Like between replica and authentic jersey, otherwise they're the same. Where baseball is a little different. Yeah. No, I mean, and that's actually interesting marketing because then every jersey kind of becomes makes people walking billboards. So yeah. I, I just said that. Oh, I didn't hear you say that. <laughs> I didn't hear you say that. I mean, good minds think alike, James. Anyway. It's, a late, it's a late night for the new dad. What do you got for us for estimate, John? I want to let right. you go to sleep. Yeah, I got to feed a baby first. But all right, so going to Yankee Stadium. Uh, if I were a Yankee fan, I wouldn't be upset about the patch. I'd be upset about the uh, the dimensions of my, my my stadium. It's still just every every time I watch a game there, I cannot believe some it's of the balls babies. get out to right field. It is, uh, it's, it's something else. So for this series... I want to know how many home runs do you guys will be? Do you guys think will be hit that would not get out in at least twenty other major league stadiums? So balls that get out of Yankee Stadium that are not gone in a third of the other stadiums. Okay, I've okay. got my answer. Yeah, I do too. I got I, all right. Two games, so not a huge, uh, not not yeah. a lot of pitches. Yeah, I got the whiteboard here for this one. I don't have the whiteboard or anything. So write your write your number. We'll get it, and then we'll wrap this up because. It's getting late. Tired. It is getting <laughs> yeah, late. It's been, it's been a long Sunday night baseball grinds a little different. Oh God. Especially this game of Sunday night baseball. You're like, why guys? Why? <laughs> Why'd you do this to us? But yeah. All right. You guys ready? We'll wrap up yes. here. All right. Three. Ooh, sirens are going off. <laughs>
Three, two, one. One. Three. All right. Uh, one. I'm with James on this one. Yeah, it's going to be a few. Mets are going to put a couple out this this uh, this this series. I'm sure of it. I'd, I'd love to be wrong if it's the doing of the Mets. I'd love to be wrong. Do you guys remember Eric <laughs> Young Jr.'s massive uh, series at Yankee Stadium in 2014? How could yes. you ever forget? Of course. There Actually, you know. though. That kind of inspired me for this one. He had a couple. <laughs> e- EY had a couple wall scrapers. A couple stadium there. That got out. The yeah, Yankee be, Stadium special. It's gonna be a big pride series for both of these teams. It's gonna be interesting to see how how this looks on the field. It just doesn't have the same luster as Subway Series in the past. Like when we went to the Subway Series game last year. Both of the ones at City Field and Yankee yes. Stadium. The places were freaking buzzing. Both teams like some of the best records in baseball. It's gonna be interesting to see what the vibe is like. Could be, uh, well, if you guys are going to Subway Series all these couple days in Yankee Stadium, definitely keep your cool, keep your composure. These are two fan yeah. bases that right now are not happy with the way the season is going, and it's just you, 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 there's always it's always like kind of a it's a bad it's a bad cocktail always when you get these fans together. Sometimes could could never get, worth it, especially never in the worth it. City Fields is a place of class. It's a place of society. It's a place where it's a place where good good people come to watch families. Some people come to watch good baseball. Yeah, Yankee Stadium. It it it, uh, it could be a bit of a cesspool once in a while, so you gotta so watch out for Sal and his you know and his big gold chain. <laughs> might might be a better place for Johnny Frats, not not John the yeah. Father. You know, let's just put it oh, that I, way. I, yeah, no, I would go with the baby Bjorn on my chest. That's where I would, <laughs> I, would take, I would take that there, and my hat would be forward, or I'd have no hat on my head whatsoever. <laughs> oh, respectable. I love seeing the evolution to John. But anyway, John, thank you so much for giving us Talk the estimate. We'll catch you soon. And honestly, that's pretty much it for this episode, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. You know where to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at MetsUp. Go subscribe to the New York Mets YouTube channel if you want to see the video version of this. And if you're listening, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Odyssey, drop us a rating, drop us a review, download, and subscribe. Follow James on Twitter at James underscore Shiano. And me, Giraffe Neck Mark with a C. You can see it underneath our faces on YouTube. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for watching. And we'll catch you after the Subway Series. Peace out.